stand with me if you're able and join me in the call to worship. Listen to the good news. God is with us this day and every day. God's goodness sometimes seems to be a trickle, sometimes a gentle flowing stream, and sometimes a mighty flood, but always God is with us. We worship you, Lord, for your goodness. We praise you with our songs. We seek you in our prayers. We offer gifts to you because you are our God.
good morning and welcome to worship here at Southside Baptist Church. It's good to be here in the house of the Lord today to come together and to see each other, to join our voices and spirits and lift our voices in song and prayer and praise. We come and gather here today on a day that is uh, a day that is heavy in many ways as we remember 15 years ago the events of 9-11. But I thought today as we uh, began worship with the choir lifting our spirits with this great introit, reminding us that glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It lifts our hopes, our voices, our spirits, enabling us to know that we serve a risen Lord, a God that is eternal, the same yesterday, today, and forever, one that we can find encouragement from, hope from, and in our lives live a life that is joyful, centered in our Lord and Savior. For those things, we can be grateful. Southside Baptist Church welcomes everyone that is here today, those who are guests, those who may be uh, worshiping here and have been for many weeks, and those who have been here worshiping for many years. And there are many of you that uh, will fall, in fact, everyone would fall into those descriptions, but we want to welcome you and make sure that you've had a warm welcome here at Southside today. I would like to call a couple of things to your attention. One is that for those that are students, we have the luncheon right after worship uh, that we would love for all the students to come and participate in. It'll be in the Heritage Room downstairs, and uh, we certainly want all the Martinson Scholars to be able to be a part of that as well. So we hope that uh, everyone, uh, all those students will join us for that time together today. All of our guests are very important. And we want you to know that you are. And we'd like to have a record of everyone's attendance, members and guests alike. You'll see at the end of each pew a blue tablet there that you can write down your name or any other information uh, that will help us stay in touch with you. And then also at the end of worship today, if you are a guest, we do have our time of hospitality in the narthex, a time where we can gather and spend a few moments in, in reflection and fellowship. So that you will not see a stranger then, I want, would like to ask if you would stand and pass the peace of Christ to each other and just to greet one another and say, may the peace of Christ be with you. As you are regathering, um, you, may, you may be seated. Um, two, two brief bits of information. Um, we try to make all of our music within the worship uh, a part of the fabric of what the theme of the day is. And today being uh, an unusual and, and uh, um, in fact unique commemoration of our tragedy here in this country um, and uh, really around the world. Um, 15 years ago, we, we, we look at a, 
uh, a Psalm 139 that assures us that God is uh, always there, um, even when we wonder about that. There are two pieces of music that are related to this. The first is, uh, or one, is uh, the anthem, and I would draw your attention on the second page of the, uh, of the worship order. There is a, a very beautiful poem, Morning Glory, Starlit Sky. Um, Dr. Rossford tells me that um, W.H. Vanston was an outstanding theologian in the U.K., and um, they... This is a beautiful setting that I just found about a week or so ago, uh, a little bit, well, just about a week ago. Um, and uh, the choir will sing it today um, on rather short notice, but it seemed to truly fit our, our theme today. So I'm grateful for them and to uh, uh, Monique and Kenny uh, Gannon for uh, soloing for us. And then the other is that we, we don't always do uh, hymns that you know terribly well, but then there are some times when we do uh, great old hymns that are just, you've known forever, but then how did you get to know that hymn? You sang it, and so occasionally you got to sing a new song, and even if you're not terribly familiar with that song, I hope that you will look when we sing in just a moment after our prayer of invocation, um, uh, number 75, If I Fly as Birds at Dawning, it's also a one, uh, Psalm 139-related text, not a well-known tune, so my usual uh, idea is give it a go, and if no other way, read the words aloud as, you're, as we're going. Uh, we all learn new things, hopefully, every day, and this might be one that you can carry with you uh, hereafter. Before we sing that, may we pray. God of grace and God of goodness, God of love, God of all time, we thank you for bringing us to this sanctuary, this particular place today. During this hour, as we contemplate your love and grace and your glory and your power, may we also contemplate how that may be infused into our lives and shared in the lives of others, both in this room and in those spaces that we inhabit throughout the week. We pray this morning for those who are lost to us in terms of human living, but are never lost to us in our memory and in love. We thank you for their dedication and their service in whatever aspect it was, and may we manifest your greatness in all that we say and do. And may we do this for your great glory and not our own. We pray this this morning in the name of that Christ who gave himself as the ultimate sacrifice. Amen. May we stand as we sing hymn number 75. Give it a go.
Our first scripture lesson today is found in the Psalter, Psalm 139, the first 12 verses, which some you've already heard this morning as you heard the choir and the introit sing those words. They're words of uh, comfort, reminding us of God's presence with us always. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as a light to you. Here ends our first lesson for this morning.
Our second reading is from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, Romans chapter 8, reading verse 28 through 30. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of the Lord. doing okay? Well, I want to show you something today, and I'm going to do it at the expense of, um, Jim, did you do these? At the expense of uh, getting Mr. Jim a little upset with me, but I think I got one that's not too noticeable. Come over here. Come over here a little bit closer, okay? Let's look at this together. You know, this is a, it's a, it's a rose, right now look at it real closely what do you see about it look at it look in it really closely you see anything what's it made now there's also he was careful not to leave one with some big thorns on it but there's some little thorns there too you see those those little thorns well who do you think made this mr jim arranged it he made the arrangement for us today that makes uh, the sanctuary even more beautiful. Well, what do you think? Who, who is it that makes these flowers? What about God? You think God creates these and makes them? Think so? He does. And you know, Scripture tells us that even those flowers or those um, fields of grain that the person that plants them they they take care of them but they don't make them grow but God is always there to make sure that a beautiful flower comes forth you say that's a that's a beautiful flower isn't it it's pretty and so God's presence God's being there makes it grow sends rain and watches over it and he has created it to be the way it is right so when we look at this when we look at this, we want to be reminded that God is always at work, always present, preparing these things. Will you look at the other flower? Yeah. And when he, when he takes his time and attention and spends it creating that, it's the same way he does with you, with both of you. He spends time making sure that you grow up and that there's his presence with you always. 
And even though there's some difficulties along the way that these things like these thorns might represent, even then, God is with us. When we lose people that are important to us, God is with us. When we have to deal with things that we don't understand, God is with us. And so today, as we, we go through our worship, we remember all those things about God's presence, but we also remember that if God takes so much care to make that flower that beautiful, don't you think he's concerned about you? You think he's, he is? God is concerned about you and wants you to know that he loves you and cares for you. So I want to offer a prayer, and then I'll give each of you one, and that way we'll balance out the arrangement so, you know, one side looks sort of like the other one now. But let's, let's offer a prayer of thanks for God's presence with us, okay? Lord, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you that you bring about the beauty that we see in all of nature, in this rose that we look upon and see the, the detail and all the beauty that is contained therein. We also look at these children and see all the beauty that you have created. Pray, O oh Lord, that you continue to help them to grow in wisdom and understanding and that they would know that you're with them always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Pausing that, you can get your... Now, I was uh, told it would be better not to give you so much sugar, so I've got fruit snacks for you today, okay? How about that? I live with a school teacher, and um, she reminded me that it might be best not to. Okay, no, no. Grandpa, yeah. <laughs> but not sugar. <laughs> Let's come before God in prayer this morning. Shall we pray? God, our hope and our refuge at all times, but especially in, with a sense of helplessness, we come into your presence to regain a sense that you are the God who is with us. We remember today the shock and the horror of that day 15 years ago. And although sometimes the memory has subsided, sometimes we just forget. We come remembering this morning those whose lives in New York, Washington, and Pennsylvania were lost that day. And we pray for those who even after so many years have not forgotten and still grieve the loss of their loved ones. We are mindful today of the sacrifice of many public servants who demonstrated the greatest love by laying down their lives for friends, even those they did not know. We pray that as a nation, having experienced the fear and the awfulness of that event, may find a unity of purpose, not in revenge, but in rebuilding hope and healing the pain of common tragedy. We come to you remembering, but we come also to seek hope for the future, a hope that is founded on your never-failing love for us. And so in remembering 
a tragedy in the past, we thank you for your presence at all times and in our time of need now. We pray that we might trust in you as our guide and our guardian. God, you are the one who spans all the ages of the earth. And so we ask you that we may find our trust in you and enable us to see the coming of your kingdom in our time and in our day and generation. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter in the stormy blast, and our eternal home. Hear our prayers offered in the name of our Savior who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever.
It seems so simple. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But is it really that easy? In Robert Olmsted's 2007 novel, Coal Black Horse, 14-year-old Roby Child is sent by his mother from their small farm in the hills of Virginia to find his father who's serving in the army and bring him home. Roby rides north for weeks following the fighting. And finally, he comes to a small town in Pennsylvania just over the border from Maryland. And there has been a huge battle. His journeys have transformed him from an innocent young man to somebody who's grown up very, very quickly. And he sees sights so brutal, so terrible, he comes upon Gettysburg. He finds his wounded father, and in finding his wounded father, he seeks to find food and water and comes across a soldier who's been blinded and who dies. And Olmsted says at that part of the novel, he came to understand that he was finally finished with his believing in God. There are many experiences that come to people's lives, and sometimes it turns them away from God, and sometimes it turns them towards God. Reconciling the purposes and the power of God and the love of God in events like 9-11 are not easy. Here we are remembering that something that we remember so vividly because often we remember where we were. It was the year before I came over to live in the United States that I remember listening to it on the radio as I traveled back home from the Baptist College where I worked in my home near Edinburgh and then later saw the images on the TV screen. The 15 years since that event have not made our world much better. Iraq, Syria, the list goes on and on and on. And sometimes, well, sometimes as Christians, Christians can say some banal things in the midst of suffering. We say to the grieving, attempting to be comforting, God's will is hard to understand, isn't it? As if God willed suffering and even the death of a loved one. We even begin to wonder if God is punishing us for something that we've done. Sooner or later, most people realize that such fatalism is not true to the message of good news that comes in the loving mercy and justice of God. So when we read Paul saying, God works out all things together for good, or all things work together for good, he isn't talking about a life that is free from suffering and pain and evil. Actually, and I want to come back to this later on, but actually Paul says something very particular about God's eternal purpose. He says it is to conform us to the image of his Son, to become like Jesus. Now, of course, that doesn't help with the immediate issue of suffering and pain and evil, but keep that thought in your mind. This is one of the most memorable sayings of Paul, and when I realized that I had planned a series of homilies in Romans chapter 8, I, I didn't realize that it was going to come on this particular Sunday. And I wondered about abandoning the series and doing something else, but I thought, no, let's grapple with what Paul says here as we try to think through the problem of suffering. Of course, philosophically, if I was in a Christian theology class on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 10.30, 
I would ask the students, well, how do we explain suffering? And many people would say, well, it's to do with our free will. We make mistakes and we incur things upon ourselves that we do wrong. Or the suffering comes through the folly, the sin of others. We become the sinned against. But stuff sometimes just happens. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Breast cancer just happens. Earthquakes just happen. Floods just happen. We make all sorts of research to try and find out why they happen, but they happen, sometimes without any warning. And it would be nice to think that all the stuff that just happens could be sorted out very easily, but we know that doesn't happen. <laughs> Even when we go to seek comfort, solace, counsel, we don't expect the people that we go to to fix our problem for us. Sometimes what we want is to tell our story of what we're going through and to see it in a wider context. And that, it seems to me, is what Paul is trying to do here. He's talking about the all things of life that we encounter. And later on, he says that these all things will include such things as famine, distress, persecution, nakedness, peril, or sword. Paul's a realist. He knows the world of the Roman Empire in which he lives, the hard, painful, cruel world. So, what does he say about suffering and the problem of evil? Well, he brings it into the wider story, the wider story of God who is eternal, of the God who has loved us before all ages, of the God who loves us now and the God who will love us in the future. He talks about things that we don't fully understand, but he talks about them in the sense that God has planned things. God is longing to call people to himself. God is justifying, calling, and glorifying. God has a purpose of his love towards us. There's a bigger story here, and the bigger story is the story of God who is working. The heart of what Psalm 139 talks about, as well as the heart of what Paul has been doing throughout this chapter 8 of Romans, is to remind us that God is the God who is with us. Liverpool Football Club, soccer club to you, Liverpool Football Club in England have a song that the fans sing, You'll Never Walk Alone. It's a poignant song, especially following a disaster where in a football stadium some years ago, Hillsborough, many fans died as a result of a crushing event. The You'll Never Walk Alone has often spoken to me of the fact that in the midst of all the stuff that happens, that God walks with us. God is the God who is with us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who in the midst of being arrested and eventually put to death by Hitler in Germany during the Second World War, made a comment on one occasion. He said, the Bible directs us to God's powerlessness and suffering. Only a suffering God can help. W.H. Vanstone didn't write many books, but he wrote here in the choir anthem, in the penultimate stanza, that's the second last stanza, therefore he who shows us God helpless hangs upon the tree. 
We don't often think about a God who's helpless. But it's in the helplessness of God that we discover a God who has reached down to be with us in the midst of our suffering, to to suffer with us and to suffer for us. And through the suffering, to triumph over sin and evil and darkness. Paul points us, as the whole Bible does, to the incarnate, crucified, and risen Christ. We dare to believe, we dare to believe, it is a statement of hope, but we dare to believe that even in the darkest moment, God is with us. When we can't see the way out, God promises that He is here. What we dare to believe is the most powerful reality in the world is the love of God. What we dare to believe is that God is the God of hope for the future and that God calls us to find courage and hope in His presence. Now, for lots of people, that's not enough. It doesn't sort the problem. It doesn't make everything happy. It doesn't make everything perfect. And we get cross with God. We feel that He's failed to live up to His side of the bargain, but that has never been part of the bargain. God speaks a rather different word in the Bible. It's the promise of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. It's the promise of John's gospel, the Word became flesh and dwelt with us. We remember how Jesus concluded His ministry before He ascended, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And the final promise of the book of Revelation at the end of the Bible, Behold, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as His God. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them. But here's the irony of the story of God's coming in Jesus. When we look at the cross, we see Jesus as the one who is without any comfort. The God who comes to be with us on the cross is without us. His disciples have abandoned Him. And He doesn't sense the presence of His Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The God who comes to be with us this morning is the God who is willing to experience isolation and suffering so that He will know how we feel. Through the many good times, and there are many, and we sometimes forget the many good times, through the many good times as well as the many bad times, and I don't have to remind you that they happen as well, but through it all, we are called to know the comfort of God who is with us, but that through it all, through the story of God's eternal love for us, His great desire for us is to be conformed to the image of His Son, to become more like Jesus, to be more thoughtful, to be more kind to others in need, to be more generous, to be more patient, to try and get rid of those resentments and even that cry for vengeance that is so often in the minds and the hearts of people when we are sinned against to become more like Him, so that as we face whatever the future happens and whatever stuff that happens, we can know that God is with us and trying to become more like the one who was on the cross for our sake.
And so we lift our eyes, we lift our hearts, and we say, be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Shall we sing that song together as we conclude this part of our worship? Number 71, be thou my vision, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Please pray with me. Father God, as we remember the tragic events that took place 15 years ago on this day, September 11th, let us never forget the victims of this terrible day and the brave men and women that acted as a true example of one of the tenets of our faith to love one another. Let us never forget that these acts of love and kindness continue in all the corners of the earth, no matter the circumstances. It is fitting today to remember our humanity and that through all of these tragedies that there is hope and love. That 9-11 happened and other such events are unfolding can break our hearts. But we are reminded that through these tragedies there is love. And this goodness 
reminds us of the glory of our Savior. Lord Jesus, we ask you to bless our country and our world and pray that the good news of our Lord and Savior and the gift of eternal life will bring comfort and peace to all those that experience the pain and suffering of 9-11 and other such tragedies. We ask you to accept our tithes and offerings and pray that they will be used to further your kingdom and bring the joy of salvation to the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
offering, these tithes and offerings into your house. We ask, O Lord, that you would bless them, that you would use them and multiply them, that your kingdom's work might go forward. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Would you be seated for just a moment, please? Several things you'll want to be mindful of, and we've mentioned some of those already. The events that you saw in the insert that was given to you in, in the order of worship. Uh, take, take that and read those, and um, maybe some of those opportunities would meet some needs that you have. It would certainly be a, a way for us to grow closer together in all that we do uh, and, uh, and to take part in our, our work here as we seek to be God's people in this place, building an inclusive community of grace first in this community and then beyond. The worship we've experienced today is a reflection of what we feel what we hope, what we desire to express to those that both come in and that we go out and see because this is what we've experienced as God has touched our lives in so many ways over, uh, over our individual lives. Today as we conclude our time of worship, um, we do so with uh, a benediction and then a choral benediction, but before that, Dr. Roxburgh is going to come and, and share with you just a moment a couple of things. Now, where would you like to spend the 4th of July, 2017? For something completely different, you could spend it in the town of Inverness in Scotland. That's where the tour that I am leading in 2017, the Roxburgh Tour, as it's been called, will be on the 4th of July. Where better to celebrate freedom than the la in the land of Braveheart? <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping to lead, we'll be leading a, a tour of Scotland for seven nights, eight days, beginning in Edinburgh on the 1st of July. There are these brochures, leaflets uh, available in the narthex. If you didn't see them when you came in, you can take one as you go out. And I hope you might think about joining us for that wonderful event. Let me offer a benediction spoken as we leave. May grace, mercy, and peace from the God who is for us, from the God who is with us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.